Today in Flex in the City, we talk to Peter Brown, head of Luxembourg Astic Group, as he explains how harnessing the collective and how financial services can help act as a force for good. All that happening right now in Flex and the City. Hello, everybody. This is Rachel Treese for Flex and the City. I'm really excited today. I have Peter Brown. He's head of Luxembourg for the Aztec Group. So good to have you, Peter. Thank you for joining us on Flexible. Thank you very much, Rachel. I'm really looking forward to it. Very excited too. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you, you, you came to Luxembourg relatively recently, but I can hear from your accent that you're definitely not a Luxembourger yet. Anyway, so tell, I'd love to know a little bit more about your path and, and, and how you, you ended up here in Luxembourg. Fantastic. Now, very, very happy to, Rachel. So, so yeah, I'm, uh, as you can tell, I'm certainly not, not originally from Luxembourg. I'm originally from the UK. So I was born and brought up in and around London, sort of southeast London. So, so I've, um, I moved to Luxembourg two and a half years ago. Actually, mm. I came here on, I think, the 12th of March. So just oh, as COVID hit, so I moved to Luxembourg. I moved company, moved country. Um, wow. I left a lot of my family back in the UK, but um, I've thoroughly enjoyed my time so far here in, in mm. Luxembourg. My, my, my journey, I guess, to, to, to getting here, I um, I started my career in the UK in, in banking back in the sort of late 80s, early 1990s. Um, I spent 30 years working for the, the NatWest RBS group yeah, okay. in the UK, but um, with latterly with teams in the Channel Islands, um, uh, in Luxembourg here, in Europe, and, 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 you know, a bit of experience in the US and, uh, and in Asia um, from a deal perspective. So, so, so I guess going back when I... I, yeah, when I was I was a very young child, actually, was sort of led me into 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 banking as a as an industry. So my grandfather was uh, worked okay. for what was Westminster Bank and became NatWest through through a series of mergers. And I remember I was sort of six years old and went along to a, an event. He was in Seven Oaks in Kent, so a kind of market town outside of uh, outside of London. And he was the local, you know, sort of area manager, you know, senior manager, area manager. And he was a very quiet, very humble um, man. But it was it was fascinating, even as a six-year-old in that room seeing you know him you know with the various local senior people doctors and kind of uh, you know other business people and others a real I guess I got the sense of a real sort of pillar of the community and, and the role mm-hmm. of a senior banking manager as being there to kind of help and support people um, to meet their aspirations and that even at such a young age that really kind of resonated with me so when you know in the sort of late 80s I was looking at what sort of career I wanted to go into um, banking really felt like the right path to take so so yeah I started in in a branch a left school starting a branch in that west and um, moved through my career I guess the last 20 or so years of my banking career um, I was very focused on working with alternative funds clients so I spent seven years in in leverage finance so structuring um, uh, transactions working with private equity houses in the early 2000s so the real boom time in in, in kind of uh, particularly the mid-market private equity uh, and then I was asked to lead the financial institutions group in RBS the core in the corporate bank in, in Europe so working with um, interdealer brokers alternative fund managers wealth managers small banks and others and that was I guess my first, I guess, bigger leadership role um, in 2007. It felt a bit like coming out of the frying pan and leverage finance into the fire, just as the global financial crisis um, hit banking. Mm. And then it was an interesting, you know, really fascinating and challenging, you know, kind of probably 10, 12 years post financial crisis was a, was a lot about as as the bank around 
me was was shrinking it was around helping and supporting colleagues through a really tough time and yeah. continuing to try and deliver a great experience to um to clients and then i had the opportunity um as the uk ring fencing uh regulations kicked in to take all of the uh, banking services and lending to alternative funds to create a new business in what we call the non-ring fence bank so the offshore bank in, in rbs okay. and i spent four years build developing the strategy migrating the people and clients into that business before i before i chose to uh, um, to leave the bank in 2019 wow wow so it sounds to me like your grandfather was a big influence in terms of you know being that pillar of, of community so i'm curious are there any other financial services leaders or any other global leaders that have also inspired you I mean, again, it sort of does revert back to my days in the bank. So Alison Rose is now CEO of, of NatWest Group. And I think she was probably one of the first um, you know, female CEOs, certainly in the, in the UK banking world. And it's interesting because Alison, you know, spent time in leverage finance and she was in an institutional um, type role. But it was, yeah, it's interesting the way she spent a huge amount of time focusing on the culture in the organization so as, as we'll all remember you know rbs was probably the poster child of failure during the global financial crisis that bought too much you know and was really really you know not particularly focused on delivering for clients but was was a bit more focused on kind of you know driving profitability and, and just becoming big a huge kind of cultural reboot which was much more about building a sustainable business and that's something that you know allison certainly as she stepped as, as part of that wider senior leadership executive committee and now she stepped up as ceo has continued and i think a really important theme i'm sure we'll come on to later on around creating an inclusive working environment so um, i remember in the bank there's a huge amount of focus around creating employee-led networks for example um, around lg yeah, LGBTQI plus, um, you know, around around looking at you know, um, female male kind of diversity and ensuring we've got the right people and with the right skills, you know, around kind of you know people's backgrounds and, and cultures. And so I think, for me, yeah, in 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 what's a pretty challenging environment, you know, kind of creating a much more diverse and then a much more sustainable business and thinking what we call thinking long term, you know, around considering how to work you know how fundamentally deliver well for your people you know then deliver well for your clients really think about how you can add value to those clients in the long term and that will then lead to a much more sustainable business in a, in a kind of sensible and risk managed way so i think when i look at financial services i probably look at someone like allison as a a real cheerleader for that approach for final yeah for sustainability so so, so sustainability and community are two words that you've used quite a lot do you want to tell me a little bit more about how they resonate with you peter yeah so so you know so so for me um from a sustainability perspective it's kind of a little bit about leaving um legacy now mm. yeah i guess there's a danger we could sort of move here yeah, we've obviously got cop 27 just closed off now but we we need to yeah, we need to think about you know building something that's stable and long-lasting in terms of the businesses that we work in in terms of actually you know we're working in communities we're working with you know we're, we're helping businesses to grow to create jobs to create a safe environment for for people to have families to to, to you know to, to kind of grow up um, and to grow and develop themselves so for me whatever we're doing and particularly in say a, a really vibrant market that we work in in funds in the funds market the alternative funds market there's a really real opportunity to really be a force for good mm -hmm. um 
and we see that a huge amount you know we've got specific funds you know managed to investing in impact and in sustainability but actually this is across the board you know the thing i loved in my days in leverage finance was actually working with very small businesses working with management teams who had a real great idea and they wanted help and support and so working alongside a private equity sponsor we in, in the bank we were lending money to help that business to fulfill its business plan to create jobs to grow to create a great value to their end clients and then it was really great watching through you know through various iterations of that business and seeing you know five six seven years later perhaps an exit or perhaps a, a an acquisition and that was the transaction but it was actually about that business continuing to create long-term value and for me that long-term value is, is critical that's the sustainability part i guess because you know we've got finite resources you know we need to protect the we need yeah. to protect our environment i think the community part is is really important as well and i i you know as at aztec you know very similar values i mean i've talked about allison but i could equally talk about edward moore ceo at, at aztec founder right. and ceo at aztec who has, has done a phenomenal job of you know creating a really sustainable a really um creative forward looking but a real business focused on caring for people and, and delivering a great client experience um, and i think that community piece for me is for example in luxembourg now we're over 600 colleagues wow. okay. um, and, and, and actually there's a role for us we all want to have a thriving financial services market in, here in luxembourg not 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 just for today but for for the medium term future and actually that means we all need to work together on that you know so competitors and peers and others to think about how we can best how 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 we can best create that environment how best we can engage with stakeholders and try and create the right um business environment for companies and, and, and funds to come here and thrive but also we've also got a responsibility i've got 600 colleagues of those probably 500 live in luxembourg and therefore actually we want to create and we want to preserve the community here in luxembourg you know financial services is 30 percent of the industry here in lux um and i think we've got a really big role to play in giving back um, you know, we've, we're benefiting from being here, you know, we're benefiting as, a, as an organization in supporting our clients, but actually I think we've got a role and responsibility as, as individuals and as companies to, to really give back to our community here and support others who perhaps need our help. Absolutely. I really hear what you're saying about harnessing the great collective um, and about the community here. What would you say to perhaps um, young people who are maybe either thinking about coming to Luxembourg or even joining the financial services industry? Because I think um, we had a branding that was really purpose-driven, as you talked about with your grandfather. You know, What is it that we need to do to make it more purpose-driven now, do you think, Peter, to, to yeah, help those young people? I, 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 think that's a, I think that's a great question. And I think it's interesting when... Um, you know, when you think back to almost everyone wanted to be a banker maybe 15, 20 years ago, and, and then suddenly everyone wanted to work in a hedge fund, everyone wanted to now work in, in private equity. And I think I, I think one thing we're, I'm finding is you know, the generation in their sort of 20s now who are coming out of university are much more focused and much more discerning about the culture and the type of business they want to work for. So yes, ultimately, you know, we all need to pay the bills and we want to buy property, we may want to have a family and the kind of the employee proposition end to end is, is important. But actually people, I think, I think people are much more values led today in choosing the type of organization they, they want to work for. And so, you know, the reality is, you know, we're all in, you know, businesses are in business to, to make money for their shareholders. But to do that in a in a sensible and sustainable way is crucial to attracting 
um, talent in into the business. So, so I think what can we do first to answer your first question? I think we need to create the right environment where we're building a sustainable and long-term business, where we're investing in our people, where we're providing really interesting growth opportunities for individuals. So I, I say when people come into work for Aztec, as I did when coming to RBS, I'm not bringing you in to train you as an accountant or to train you as an administrator or a legal individual. I want you to be a really good business person. I want you to be a really good but caring business person. And, and actually what I'd encourage people to come into businesses is go somewhere where you've got a real breadth of opportunity. So, so for me, building a really core foundation, a broad and core skill set, you know, that could be relationship management, you know, marketing risk management and others it kind of then almost doesn't matter what business you're in. They're all real skills that you could use, whether you're working for a retailer, whether you're working for you know, you know, a logistics company, whether you're working for a bank or, or a fund administrator. So, so I, I, I'm really keen to try and develop breadth. And I would encourage people when they're, when young people, when they're thinking about uh, work is, is around developing a broad skill set, but also about relationships. You know, in life, relationships mean everything. And you could be the brightest and the best, um, you know, academically, but actually, if you can't build work and build relationships and manage and maintain relationships, it really will limit success. So that for me is, is, is kind of fundamental. And that's in that's with work colleagues in teams, particularly in a, in a much less hierarchical construct today you know we, we, we rightly you know I'm there I'm the least important in my view in the organization I'm there to support others um, and actually being able to forge those relationships so I think building starting building that network early on mm. I, there are people I work I know today I mean as I've got a really good friend of mine he was managing part of he's just now stepping back he's a senior advisor he's heading towards retirement of a, a law firm in the UK and he and I worked together and he was a partner. I was a deal doer in the bank, you know, 50, 20 years ago almost. And and actually you see people kind of rising up and working with you together. And it's those contacts you make earlier on in your career. Those people will kind of move around. It's actually building those contacts and maintaining them because it definitely is a bit about what you know. But there is a big element in being successful around also around who you know and around utilising your network and, and sharing knowledge and best practice, which is crucial to supporting you but also to to helping others and, and adding long-term value so i'm hearing three c's contacts community and caring would that be a good i think that's a good summary rachel <laughs> i, I, I like it and that's a much more succinct version to the version i've just given you <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so i know you like your sports you know is, is there a sort of metaphor in, in in terms of um sporting that you'd like to sort of see more of in in this great industry that we we work in yeah i mean i mean there's a there's a couple of a couple of examples i kind of i i think of there i mean i i i love my i love my football i love oh, watching okay. I'm, I'm i'm very i'm not very talented but i love yeah. watching football and i'm going to use one example here um mm. which is um a team example so my i guess my mantra i'm a very I try and create a very collaborative environment. So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm my manager, I guess one team, I kind of, we all work for the same team and we all need to work together to, to, to deliver. And, and, and one good example I use is, is Leicester City. So for those that don't know, this is a, a UK football team. Um, you know, not, not Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal, Liverpool. So, so a kind of a, a, a mid-tier kind of Premier League um, football team. So in, um, some people may know the story, but in 2015, 2016, mm. they won the UK Premier League 
um, and that was the first time in their club history, 122 years or something, they, they, they'd won that Premier League. It was the only time they'd done it. And they were, at the start of that football season, they were 5,000 to 1 outsiders they were actually tipped for relegation from the premier league okay uh, that in that in that season they bought in uh, a manager called claudio ranieri an italian who some may know who had had a, a good career but never really won a kind of a huge amount and they had assembled a team of players who who were good but they didn't have any absolute megastars in that team um uh, and actually during the course of that year what they really did you know they delivered a really consistent you know not world beating but a really kind of consistent performance they were fortunate in some ways they didn't have a huge amount of injuries but but i guess the kind of characteristics for me here was one was around good leadership you know so the manager did a really good job of keeping that team together of of, of providing really kind of good feedback but actually getting the best out of a good group of players you know, it wasn't about you know a couple of superstars who carried the team it was about getting everybody to perform that little bit better that kind of incremental game was was the first thing the second was all about the team first there wasn't a big ego kind of in there there were a couple of players who had a fantastic season jamie vardy riyad mares but it wasn't about those individuals it was all about the team and it was all about you know i use a different analogy club v country it's all about we play for the team first not for the individual um which, which was great you know i think the analogy there's no i in team is, is incredibly relevant yeah. here and the third thing was about sustainability because they had a really good a very wealthy but really good um owner um uh and and the owner was was trying to build a sustainable premier league football team so whereas you've seen other clubs come and do really well and then suddenly fall away and drop away and, and the club goes bust um what what the owner was doing was building something with a real vision but with a real focus on sustainability and a real focus on long term and again i think there are those three learnings in terms of leadership in terms of team first and that sustainability i think are really good metaphors to carry across into how to build a really good and sustainable business in any sector but certainly in in financial services absolutely and, and your story reminds me a little bit of, of of the cycling um story and i understand that you're a cyclist too, Peter. I, I do partake of a little uh, a little story. I said one of the I I, I before I, I, I declare myself a, a, I'm fantastic I love Luxembourg and I it's the best move I ever made moving to Luxembourg and for those I'm sure most are aware but Luxembourg is covered in in fantastic cycle routes so yeah. I've, I've, I've been cycling probably on off properly for the last 15 or so years um, and I love getting out on the bike um, every weekend it gives me it's probably the best thing for me to decharge for my mental health and well-being gives me plenty of thinking time and time to process and you're right there are some there's some, some superb um uh, analogies in the kind of in the cycling world i think you know the main one again maybe for me and apologies as, as a brit is is um sir dave brailsford who um yeah. led the yeah. um uk cycling yeah, the UK cycling team. I think it was Athens 20, 2004. They won maybe one medal or one gold medal. You know, not really a successful team in that context. And he sort of, yeah, we, he a secured investment, but instituted the kind of mindset of the theory of that incremental gain. So those kind of small improvements and enhancements that kind of over time really build to a sustainable competitive advantage. Um, and you see from the track record he had in, you know, in Beijing, we won a few more medals. I haven't got the exact numbers, Rachel, but the kind of, obviously 2012 was home Olympics, was phenomenally successful. Team GB 
absolutely smashed it in terms of that and, and have continued um, to be a very successful, um, you know, both male and female um, and Paralympian cycling teams, um, helped by the investment, but that real ethos and approach of, of incremental gains and actually then um you know dave Russell took that into sky and and um and they you know we had the first tour de france english tour de france winner british tour de france winner sorry uh bradley wiggins or sir bradley wiggins in 2012 and then after that i think five more with chris through one four garant thomas another one so you know again instilling that winning mindset into something that you know mm. i think the i can't remember the last uh tour de france winner from britain was but it was it was 50 60 yeah it was a long time before that so so again it just goes to prove you know this isn't all about you know there isn't one magic pill there's a series of small improvements ultimately lead to that sustainable competitive advantage absolutely and so if chris so chris hoy was was here talking with us now what do you think his advice would be for the financial services industry so that is a fantastic question, Rachel. You've asked me a toughie there, haven't you? So, 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 so I think um, I think it probably almost goes back to the, the couple of things we talked about before. So I think I think the most important thing is invest in your people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so actually in, invest in people and, and try and create a team. You know, don't focus on on individual. Try and help people to become the best they can be. So invest in their growth. Invest in their development. And also do that with a view to long term. So, you know, don't expect immediate kind of success, but actually I think investing in your people, I think, is is kind of fundamental number one. Um, I think I think number two is is you know, is actually, you know, who are those who are who are your key stakeholders? So actually with clients and also with stakeholders, you know, it could be regulators, investors and others, actually spend time to really understand, you know, listen understand mm-hmm. um and start to rather than kind of looking at what's in front of you you know really look ahead you know if you think back to you know what what i've just talked about there the the results didn't come in for you they came over a sort of a 12-year period so i think for the industry and to be fair you know this is happening in the industry so, so i'm not suggesting this isn't but actually what we need to do is actually start to think about we need to deliver today but actually start to think about what's this industry going to look like in five years what's the industry going to look like in 10 years what are the what are the just potentially disruptive um influences that are going to come in and, and potentially hit the industry and how can we as an industry disrupt mm. ourselves because you Love know that. we know when i when i look at my you know, i've got i've got three children and they're um I'm blessed with my lovely three one my eldest daughter she's already working she's 23 in america my son's at university in, in lincoln and my youngest daughter is just about to do her a levels but but i look at uh, you know speak, speaking to them and look about how they use technology for example how they consume how they you know, whereas when I was growing up, and, and you, you'll probably recognise this, you know, when you went to watch TV, you realise yeah, you know, if you went to watch something, it was nine o'clock on a Sunday night. You had to be there at nine o'clock on a Sunday night, or you missed it. And then VCR came in, you could record it. Today, people, you know, children, they don't watch television in that way. They consume content mm. through various different devices at a time that's convenient for them. And that's been a quite a radical. That's one example quite a radical shift in terms of how consumers operate and and actually what we need to do as an industry is think about how do we help how, how do we adjust ourselves to help and support who will be you know who will be our leaders in the future in 20 years these will be you know high earning hopefully high earning because uh, i can retire then but high earning consumers um who will 
who will you know consume services and products and others and have different needs in a different way and we need to be agile and and, and be able to meet those needs absolutely well well i've been listening very carefully and i think you've come up with a wonderful leadership model here peter on this podcast so the words i've noted are community clients collaborative caring contacts uh, and and several of it so so the six c's of peter brown you heard it here first peter thank you so much for being with us today on flex in the city it's been absolutely amazing having you here no problem Rachel. it's been a real pleasure thank you very much for having me i've really enjoyed it you just listened to flex in the city catch us on our next episode